This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. If you're looking for the voices of strong women with tender hearts who are engaging issues that impact us all, but especially young women, this new series is for you. When COVID started, I paused the podcast and started a monthly membership community for women raising tween and teen girls. Each month we entered into our own stories and our daughter's glory through a relevant topic teen space. I interviewed experts and released them in this private group, and now you get to hear them too. Stay tuned for a lineup of wise thought leaders. I can't wait. (laughs) Carrie, I am thrilled you're here. And uh, we're diving into the topic of relationships this month and particularly relationships with mom. I know there's a lot of different things we could talk about with relationships and girls, and we will get to that in the future. Girlfriends, boys, the whole nine yards. But this month, really, we're talking about that relationship between moms and daughters. And as a mother to four girls and an author, a blogger, a speaker to girls, and their moms. You're, you're just the ideal voice um, for this conversation. So Carrie, let's jump in with you kind of telling us a little bit more just about yourself and your world and kind of where you are and your girls, if you don't mind. Okay, sure. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. I, um, I've been really excited about this conversation, like I said, because our work does overlap so much. But um, as you mentioned, I have four girls. They are Let's see, 17, 15, 13, and 10. So um, that's my personal life. And then in my professional life, I've written two books for teenage girls and then a book for moms of teenage girls that comes out in August. So, um, so I mean, that's just kind of the world that I've dived into really deep. Um, it's my passion. It's what I have a heart for. And, you know, I do it for partly selfish reasons, because as you know, I mean, there's no science to raising boys or girls. And, you know, we're all kind of learning as we go, but trying to be intentional. And that's really the biggest rewarding part of my job is just, you know, the moms that I made in my job, I've just got to see how much love there is for their daughters. You know, how many moms have a heart for this generation. They want to connect. They want to offer that guidance and advice. But um, they're always looking for ways to connect a little bit deeper and to build those bridges with their teenagers. So um, that's that's kind of where my heart is right now is helping moms and daughters build that relationship, especially in the teenage years. Yeah. Yes. It was just so challenging. So much work and joy, like you said. Um, And we're going to dive into that really quickly. Do you mind me saying our, our girls' names because they're the same? Two oh, really? of your girls. Do you, can I oh, say it up yes, on here? Yes. You have an Ella and a Sophie, as I, do I. <laughs> do you really? How did I not make that connection? I know. I know. Oh, I, I just, yes, yeah, so fun. And your Ella is, this is just amazing to me. But I mean, I was already kind of looking into following your Instagram and seeing her baking. <laughs> and her cakes, but then to realize looking into more Facebook, that's new with right. this is a COVID thing. So right. just in the last three months, she's become this professional cake 
decorator? Yes. And um, I mean, if you knew me personally, if you had been to my house and realized what a terrible cook I am, you would see the irony and the comedy in this because I, I can I burn everything. Um, but yes, yeah, she's always loved art. And I mean, I'm sure as your daughters do, my girls have always loved to bake and they kind of do that when they're bored. But um, I will say that one good thing that's come out from this pandemic is just what's happened in the boredom, you know, as their classes were a little bit less stressful last spring and we just had more time at home. Um, it started with a cake that she baked for her grandmother on March 17th. And she just, it was a pretty ombre cake. And then, you know, a few days later, she baked one for her friend who had a wisdom teeth pulled out. Just a chocolate cake with some strawberries on top. You know, both really sweet, very pretty. And um, the one that really was the game changer for me, it was a few days later, she spent all day making this cake. It had this white cake, had these blue feathers in different colors that she'd made out of white chocolate. And I was in my office writing all day. So I kind of missed all the creation. And it was about four o'clock that afternoon. And she came out and she was like, mom, come look at this cake that I did. And I went in there and I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> like, Where did that come from? And I mean, I, I just joke that it's really from the Holy Spirit because it's, it's just a God-given gift that she has. But that cake since then, I mean, she's got this Baking with Ella Cake account on Instagram. Um, she's got, you know, clients in our area, our community. And that's been the best part is just seeing the people that she's met through that. And then the people that have put her, their trust in her, you know, saying my dad loves puppy dogs or he loves pirates. You know, when you make this for Father's Day or this for Mother's Day and just the people she's met and just being part of their celebrations and realizing that, you know, as, as much sadness and negativity as there is in our world right now, that people, you know, are still buying cakes. They're still celebrating their brothers and their sisters and their daughters and their grandmothers and getting cakes or just cakes for their friends who are graduating and they're about to all go different ways. It's just been really neat because cakes are a happy thing and, um, and it's just letting her use her art skills in so many different ways. So it's been fun to watch. Well, they are pieces of art for sure. Thank so you. I will put the link to your Instagram on the, on the notes and people can go and find her through, through you, through that. But Thank yeah, I, I just was amazed to realize <laughs> that's a three month in journey for her. So yeah, it's super been, fun. It's been good. Yeah. Thank you. And super fun. Last month's, um, interview was with a woman, Heather Creekmore. I don't know if you know her. She's an author as well, but she was on Netflix's um, first episode of Nailed It and really? made, you know, the sloppiest, most awful cake. And <laughs> it's just really? a funny juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Well, we well, were laughing at it. She's had some, she's had some cake fails and that's been, um, but that's part of the learning process, you know? Yeah. It's just, yeah. Right. I'm like, right. these are good life lessons, you know, whatever yeah. happens. Yeah. Well, Nailed It is not going to be finding her. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to um, check out that show. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Well, mm -hmm. Carrie, let's, let's dive in. Let's start talking about um, just this crucial relationship that we as moms have with our girls. And um, I, I know many of us, I have a son, many of my moms in the audience have boys as well. And that is a special and unique relationship also. But there's something so different, isn't there, with girls and between us and our daughters. And it's, it's precious mm -hmm. and it's so hard. <laughs> so hard. And yeah. so you have a span of seven, 17 years old to 10 years old. You've, mm -hmm. you're in a lot of different seasons right now. Um, and this is your professional 
thing. I mean, this is what you talk about and write about. And so I want to ask you, where would you like to begin with talking about this precious and difficult <laughs> relationship that we have? Right. Um, gosh, there's so many things, but I think I had, I did a podcast a few weeks ago and he asked me just to end on one piece of advice for moms of girls. And, you know, all these thoughts are going through my head and I'm like, what's the number one thing that's going through my mind? And I realized that what it was, was I was like, you know, mom wants us to, God wants us to parent with a spirit of strength and not defeat. And I think that and I'm so guilty of this myself, like so many days when I have a bad day of parenting, especially with a teenager, I just feel so defeated. And it's really easy to stay stuck there, especially when we have a lot of negativity out there just in the world. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity about raising teenagers. I mean, I, I can say having four girls that, I mean, I was sitting there holding my babies as newborns and people are like telling me how precious they are. And then they're telling me, just wait until she's a teenager. Like the conversations start so early just that negative narrative. And, um, you know, for me, I just kept hearing that negative, that narrative over and over when they were little. And it, I was kind of like, okay, what Debbie Downers, you know, my girls won't be like that. But what I found happened was those scripts that we hear in society that are really negative. I feel like that they're kind of planted. We kind of put them in the back corner of our mind. And then what, what happened for me was as my daughters became, you know, teenagers and are the 13, 14 years old, and they started doing things, maybe acting like a teenager, I pulled those scripts back out and I'm like, oh, those people were right. You know, I better put them in their place. I better show them who's the boss. So they'll walk all over me. And I was trying to parent them a lot of the ways that I did when they were little, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And you know, that shuts a teenager down. And that, you know, I, I realized that, I, you know, one of my daughters, we really got this season of locking horns. And that's what I start the book with is that mom fail that we had just been fighting. And she went to school one morning and I finally admitted, I was like, I do not like myself. I don't like the way I, how cold I'm acting toward her. Like, this is not the way. And I just had one of those breakdown moments. And it was really kind of my wake up call that, you know, something in our relationship had to change. And I knew it had to start with me because I was the adult. And so that really just set me on a journey of like how to love a teenage daughter. And my husband was home that day. And I'm like, you know, I just can't figure out how to balance loving her with parenting her. And I think that's the struggle for a lot of parents to teenagers and daughters is that, you know, you might see emotions or moods or things you want to fix or control. But yeah, if we approach it the wrong way, we're going to create a gulf. They're going to shut down on us and we're not going to have that relationship. And so that's really what I have been trying to be intentional in recent years is just like, okay, don't ruin the relationship. You know, I've got to be humble. I've got to apologize when I'm wrong. I've got to do my part and also teach my daughter conflict resolution. And I, I can say this working with teenage girls that a lot of them do not have those skills. You know, they get in a fight with their friends, the friendship's over because these girls are never taught how to work through conflict. You know, and then I see these studies that say, um, you know, the number one predictor of success in marriage is how well a couple can work through conflict. And so I started thinking, you know, if we can teach our daughters, you know, how to work through differences through this relationship where they're not going to lose our love and, you know, teach each other how to respectfully work through differences and help them know that we're on their team. We're trying to support them. They may not understand every decision we make right now, but we are on their side. I just think that they can learn so many skills in this relationship with their mothers that are going to carry over into their friendships, into their career, into possibly their marriage, and will just offer these lifelong benefits. So um, that's kind of the approach I've taken. And 
I mean, I honestly can say we, we don't have a perfect life over here, but I truly do. I love my daughters even more as teenagers than when they were little. And I thought so many times during this pandemic, if, if this coronavirus had happened when they were age six and younger, I mean, when summer seems so long and I, the days were forever long, like, and they were fighting a lot back then, like I probably would have lost my mind. But, you know, because I do love where they are, they're fun, they're creative, they have a lot of energy. Um, it's just been, it's been a good experience. And so, you know, my, my oldest daughter is about to be a senior and, you know, she'll be going to college in a year. And I just keep thinking, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't settle for that narrative that I just needed to survive her teenage years. Like, I really feel like we have grown in our relationship. I've gotten to know and appreciate her as a person. And I feel like it's just setting the stage for that lifelong friendship that happens once they leave home. So that's kind of my heart. And what I'm hoping to help moms with in this book by sharing a lot of my mistakes and the things that I did wrong and hopes that that other people can learn from that themselves. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot there, Carrie. I'm, focused on the conflict piece. I just want to kind of talk about that for a minute because isn't that, it's so true of what, how we help develop our kids to have a healthy attachment is that we can get to that point of rupture and then repair. And you're right. Like so many adults didn't go through that process as children with their own parents. And so now they're in marriages like you indicated or they're Mm -hmm. parenting and they don't know how to do that very well. And that's so important for us to teach them how to do that and to model by going first, right? Right, Um, yes. So I love how in your book you talked about a time when you you were really disappointed, you didn't get the house that you had just closed (laughs) on and were really hopeful for. And so you're in your room throwing shoes at the wall out of anger and frustration. And one of your girls comes in and joins you. And for a moment, it's probably this cathartic, somewhat funny joint thing. And then you realize, okay, I'm, this is not what I want to model. This is not the kind (laughs) of, you know, angry response I want to model. For me, that was connected to conflict, not that you were having conflict with her, but isn't there this balance between having conflict and mo- and apologizing and and asking for forgiveness and repairing and modeling that yes. in a healthy way versus kind of oozing and leaking too many of our emotions and right. sinful responses and and if we don't repackage that that's what we're modeling and we don't right. want to model that that's not healthy right um, you know, that makes sense in my head, but does that make sense as I yes. say that? Yes. So where have you found that balance? Because it, it feels like you have, you write a lot of, about a lot of different scenarios where you, it feels like you have found that balance with your Well, I, I try to, um, you know, I laugh and say I'm, I'm 25% Italian and I'm like, I've got the Italian temper to go with it. So, um, you know, and I think that I think all of us are made intentionally, you know, I've learned that with myself and my girls, that if I have strong personality, which can be really good sometimes and really bad in some cases, you know, I'm I'm made that way. And I think we just have to be self-aware of our triggers and self-aware of when we do tend to lose it. And I think, I guess, having four daughters, I kind of, I tend to think, okay, what am I modeling as my 47-year-old self that this could be who they are at 47. And it's really just made me a lot more aware of how I deal with my emotions. 
And, um, you know, I did a lot of research for this book. And one thing you hear over and over is that, you know, your daughter's emotional, her inner life, her emotional intelligence can really make or break her relationships. And so I really try to, I try to create a lot of awareness with my daughters, you know, it's especially as they enter the teenage years and they do have hormonal changes. And, you know, a, a psychologist told me the, the, what is it? The part of the brain that interprets your emotions is behind the emotions themselves. And so sometimes they're angry or they're crying and they don't even know why they can't interpret it. And for us as parents, it can be so frustrating because we're like, just stop. And, um, and I just think, you know, teaching them healthy ways to deal with their anger or their behavior um, is so important. And we've got to model that in our life, but it's hard. And I, you know, and I've lost it before. Sometimes I'll, I'll lose my temper and I have to go back and apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I've really I handled that the wrong way. And I have learned that the more that we can be honest about ourselves and, you know, preparing that relationship with our daughters, it gives them the humility to be a look at themselves too, and to offer that same grace and that same forgiveness and apologies too, when mm -hmm. they've messed up. Yeah. But, um, but it's, so hard. I mean, I think I, I say we're all a work in progress and I know, you know, I'm not who I was five years ago and I hope I'm not today where I will be in five years. I just think that we continue learning and growing and just seeing our, our family unit as we're really, you know, yes, we're parents, but we're also helping each other. We're also mm -hmm. helping each, each other grow up and mature and become yes. the people we're supposed to be. Right. Carrie, how much, I know that for you, even during the process of writing this book, your mom was, her health was declining. It was, it was hard, I'm sure, to write about mothering girls while your own mother was in her last days. And I'm sorry for her passing. This, thank you. This year, right? She did in February. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What, what comes up for you as your parenting girls in, ter like in terms of your relationship with your mom and what you recall it being like when you were your daughter's age? You talked about triggers and needing to be aware of our own triggers. And I think so much of that is connected, right, to our right. own relationship with our mom. Right. Do you have any insight around that? You know, I think the, the funniest thing is, um, and as I was researching this book, I was thinking back to my childhood, but I was the fourth in my family. Plus, I'm a child of the 80s. And, you know, the parenting in the 80s, sometimes we're like, where were the parents? <laughs> you know, they had their own life. I don't think there was a lot of intentional parenting going on. And, um, and even a few years ago, as I was you know, working on a, another piece, my mom told me, she's like, you know, I don't think I ever read a parenting book, you know, and I was like, but mom, you know, maybe you didn't have to back then, but it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated now. There's a lot more we're dealing with that. It's really important for us to be intentional, but, um, but, you know, one thing that I think that, you know, my parents, we had, I, I, I look back and I think the thing, I think the best thing that they gave me was just that unconditional love. You know, I was not, my parents were not the people that I told, I told them everything about my life. You know, I didn't, I had my group of friends and I had my parents and I probably was like most people, I appreciated them more after I left home and went to college. But, um, but I can look back and I think just them giving me my faith, the faith foundation and just that unconditional love. And um, my parents were not, my mom was not very critical. I mean, if anything, she probably gave me too much credit, you know, but I, I look back and, you know, you hear all these stories about moms who's people whose moms are so ultra critical and that's the voice they keep hearing in their head. And, and I'm so thankful that that's just not what I grew up with. I mean, my mom just, she always just saw the best in us. Um, even in recent years that she was, 
you know, sick and really bedridden. I mean, she would just light up when we walked into the room. You know, we didn't have to do anything. Just the fact that we were there was enough for her. And so, you know, it, it did. I lost, I lost her right as I was doing the final edits of this book. Mm. But, um, but it was really cathartic in a surprising way. I mean, the day after she passed away, I had to write a note from the author at the beginning of the book. But it was, um, I felt like it's like God gave me this insight into motherhood and that mother-daughter relationship that I didn't even have before. And, you know, in that last week of my mother's life, I mean, it's just like, it, I had probably 10 years worth of lessons in that week, as mm-hmm. hospice told, it, told us, you know, you have just a few days left. And we were going through her office and I was just, we were just going through her drawers and I just saw all these things that she'd saved over the years and blog post of mine and, you know, journal which she'd written about us and she'd written about our five children. And then, um, and just people telling me stories like, my godmother, who's her be- who was her best friend, saying, oh, yeah, when your first book came out in Tuscaloosa, she was so proud. I remember she planned my little event there at this pretty little boutique. And she kind of drove me nuts because she kept asking me, what do you want for the food? What do you want for the drinks? I'm like, I don't care, mom, whatever. Right. It's not yeah. my wedding. It's not my wedding. Exactly. I was like, just anything. And, you know, it was, a, it was a great, you know, party. I really didn't think much about what she did. But my godmother told me, oh, yes, like I remember us taste testing every food that we were going to have at that party. And and then one of her caregivers would tell me that, oh, yeah, every time we went to a doctor's appointment, she would look and see if there was this local magazine that sometimes carried my column. And she'd pick it up and ask if my column was in there. So it just it makes me want to cry just thinking about it. But it was all those like I was like just the hours and the, the love that she put into everything she did for us that we just didn't even realize. And I realized that's what I appreciate the most about her now that she's gone is that she was not a martyr. She was not like, I've done all these things for y'all and you don't appreciate them. It's just, she just loved us. And she just, she just loved us unconditionally, even when it was that one way love, um, you know, whether we responded back or not. And I feel like that's kind of our job as moms is that just love our children and, you know, love us the way that love them the way that God loves us. And hopefully they will love us back, but maybe not every single day, but just finding that strength to, to be that kind of mom mm-hmm. that, um, you know, even if they're having a bad day or they're emotional or they're rejecting us, that we can still, and I, I think that comes from finding our source of strength, not in our children, but, you know, we have to have, like I said, our faith. And then I think also having the support of other moms, I've realized that as our girls get older, mm-hmm. because nobody knows how we feel on those hard days, like one of your own. And you know, sometimes moms can be each other's worst enemies, but really finding those friends and that support group mm-hmm. that can really empathize when you're having one of those days and right. help you keep being strong. It's something else I thought I've learned is very important is having those people you can vent to. And I talk about that in the book, mm-hmm. but um, I think if we have those friends, sometimes I'll do it with my husband. I'm like, I've just got to vent for a minute. <laughs> just, I got to talk unfiltered and that way I can be calm and strong in front of the kids or whatever, you know, whoever I need to speak to. But I think sometimes that can keep us from dropping a bomb in the heat of the moment or talking out of anger. If we have somebody we know we can go vent to who's our adult person or safe place to go to. Yeah. And I will say that has taken some time for me to cultivate. You know, I've had, Mm -hmm. I've had great friendships for years, but there was always this um, hesitancy that we would start to actually start talking about the heart, the hard nitty gritty of our kids or particular things about particular kids that are, that are just really, really difficult. Um, That level of trust wasn't there. 
And so right. once a couple of us decided we're going to go there, it has mm-hmm. become exactly what you described, like a, at least just a place for me to quickly text, you know, right. need prayer. Here's what's happening. And they already know the story. They already know the struggle. That is yes. so important. I think also that our spouse doesn't have to always carry that on our behalf. Right. Yes. Right. And How they, sick they do don't, they, they get don't, of it? Yes. Cause sometimes they're like, you know, they don't, a lot of times they're not the ones that, you know, doing all the mom job that, you know, driving them around and doing those daily responsibilities like we are that mm-hmm. seeing everything the way that we do. Right. I agree. And I think as you do, you've raised a great point as you choose your friends. I've learned that choosing friends who genuinely love your child and it might be a different person with each child that you go to. You're like, okay, I've just got to talk to you about this, but I'm like, I know, she loves my child. There's nothing I could tell her that's going to make her think less of her. I love her child. Right. You know, so we can reciprocate in that sense. Yes. Yeah. That safety is important mm-hmm. to cultivate. So Carrie, some of us were talking last night about, um, you know, girls, we want to have and really foster deep connection uh, we want to be intentional with conversations. You, you know, in my book, I talk about being on the forefront of some of those most difficult conversations. Um, and yet sometimes our girls, depending on their personality or their age or their mood, have no interest in going right. there with us. <laughs> right. And I can tend to be too deep too much of the time and not just loosen up and learn about the TikTok you know, trend right now, or listen to this, the new song on the playlist, like, and yet both of those are so important, right, in developing healthy relationships. Um, And I love in your book that, that in every chapter, you offer like all of these just really normal, practical, doable ideas Mm -hmm. to cultivate some of that connection. Right. Um, in your experience with your four different daughters, how have you kind of navigated knowing like it's time to be lighthearted and fun. It's time to dance to whatever in the kitchen, or it's time to dive in and take this opportunity and go deep. Right. What have you found with that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, it's funny. I was just working on an article today about um, like 20 things teenage girls wish their mothers knew. And it kind of came from some girls that I'd surveyed. And one of the things on there was like, you know, when we're having fun, just go with it and let us have some lighthearted conversations and don't turn everything into a life lesson. And, um, and that one hit me because I'm the same way. I am deep. I want to skip past the small talk. I could talk deep all day long, mm-hmm. but um, especially with teenagers, I'm like, I have to be selective, you know, and, and I've seen that sometimes if I try to talk deep, at the wrong time, it just falls flat. It's not going to be heard. So I, I found that sometimes just like letting them take the lead, you know, if we're having fun, if it's one of those silly conversations, one of those frivolous things we're talking about, just go with it, you know, just talk about this TikTok. Oh, let me do a TikTok with you. Um, you know, just, and then sometimes they do want to have those deep conversations, but it's at an inopportune time. Yes. And so that, that is, and that's hard because I like to plan. And sometimes I have my, my schedule of what I want the day to look like and just kind of being available to switch gears. Um, an example of that is I have a friend who, you know, we always talk about this with our daughters and her daughter doesn't open up very often, but her daughter loves country music. 
And so she was telling me, you know, one day that they were just driving around. I think they're driving home from a game or something. And, you know, she just started singing to country music and that, you know, just loosens her up and brings her guard down. And they just started having this great conversation. So the mom was like, there was no way I was going home, you know? <laughs> so I told her, I was like, Hey, you want to go get ice cream? So she dragged it out, you know, because her daughter was in the mood to talk. They were having that mother daughter bonding. And so she added in a quick trip to go get ice cream just to, so they could really um, stretch that moment out and have that time together. And I thought that was a great idea of how to just let them take the lead and just when they're ready to talk, just seize that moment. And then when they're not, you know, not to try to force it. Mm-hmm. And such a great example of how sometimes it can flip in a second, right? Yes. It can go from singing <laughs> silly in the, in the car to now she's ready. Boom. Yes. <laughs> and like yes. having to be on our toes. And yes. I think that's when it like practice comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to encourage our moms with that. Like it might not be going great right now, these deep conversations, but I think the more we practice, right. um, the more nor- a, the more normal it becomes for our girls that we are going to ask some harder questions or we are going to go deeper. Um, but it also just gets more comfortable where I think we can flip on a dime when the time right. arises if, mm-hmm. if we feel just more like we've exercised that muscle. Would you agree? Yes, I definitely agree. I think there's so many things, even like whether it's a hard conversation or having those moments and knowing when to act or what kind of conversation to have. It does come with experience. And you reminded me of something else that, and I've learned this, is that Sometimes we tend to pepper them with questions like one, you know, especially if they are going deep and I've had to hold myself back, like, okay, just take it slowly. Too many questions will make them slow down. I mean, to make them shut down sometimes or make them feel like, okay, why are you asking me so much? So just let it be a little bit more natural. And so um, my friend describes it this way, that this mom ahead of her told her, she was like, oh yeah, I was talking to my daughter the other day, I asked a question and then a few more. And she was like, mom, that's three questions. You've hit your limit. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's their joke. The daughter's like, I give you three questions and then I'm done answering questions. And so I try to think about that. If I only get three questions, you know, I want to be pretty smart with those questions that I ask and not stop the conversation. So, um, so that's another thing I've kind of learned. It's just, okay, instead of just, instead of knowing, thinking up front, I'm going to have time to ask 10 questions. I might only get a few in. So try to be selective. Yes. Choose well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And like my older daughter, we downloaded the 36 questions app on our vacation last week. Have you heard of the 36 questions that. that a psychologist developed to show that intimacy can occur in 45 minutes with three sets of 12 questions between complete strangers. So there's all these apps that are related to those questions. So we were asking them as a family and my, my older daughter was just more, more, let's go to the next one. Let's go. And we're like, let's pay the bill. Let's move on. She's like more next question. Next question. She could have just done that all night. The younger one is so different. And you know, just, probably two was her max. And <laughs> he didn't have a lot of words for the two. And sometimes I'll even say to her, like where it's when it's obvious, she's got things to share or mm-hmm. no, it's obvious that there's stuff on her heart and there's feelings being felt, but right. there are no words yet. Yes. There's no way she's going to process that yet. I will just say, I know you'd like to, like, I can tell you want to connect with me. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come back when you have some words? 
to, to put to this. Cause if I keep digging and asking you questions, you're just going to like start to really get wiggly and mad. So right. you go when you've got words, you right. come back. So yeah. that's helped to just learning the difference between our kids and yeah. it feels like an art, doesn't it? Do you feel like an artist <laughs> as a parent? Yes. It's, 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 somebody described it as it's like each child is just a mystery box and it's, everyone is different. And you really have to kind of look at that individual mystery box and think, okay, what makes them tick? And you're so right. Especially when you have the same sex, you can see same parenting, you know, same house, very different personalities. And just really, you're right. Like learning to appreciate and love each personality. And, um, you know, and I think that, yeah, I, I was probably more like your daughter, I was quiet. I mean, I had a relationship with my parents, but I, I, I processed a lot internally. And I've realized that about myself as an adult, that I probably, you know, bottled too much up. I didn't really share with, you know, parents or people that really might have been able to help me through situations, um, which is probably one reason I'm so now about like, let's, let's try to get it out. But, um, but writing always helped me. And so sometimes I couldn't, I couldn't articulate my thoughts, but I could write them out. And, um, you know, my boyfriend in college used to laugh because he said, every time I got a letter from you, I knew we were having problems. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't articulate it, but I could write it down. Uh -huh. But the funny thing was after a few years of that, by the time I met my husband, I'm like, I didn't have to write letters anymore. I could articulate it and I could say it. So, um, but it is hard. Like, so I totally get those kids that like, you know, sometimes we're taking it all in, we're listening, but we can't really get it out the way that we yes. want to. Yeah. And I know that's, I know that's how she is for sure. Yeah. Um, hold on. I'm just popping over to Facebook to double check things going over there. Um, well, Carrie, I, I just, yeah, I love that our heartbeat is the same and you're living out loud. I talk, you know, I say that a lot, that that's what I'm doing with the parenting and talking about parenting in the exact life stage that I'm in. I just feel like I'm one of these moms and I've just decided to do it out loud. I feel like that's what you've done as well. Um, and I think it just brings, it just enriches your message because you're in it. You are in it right now. You're, you're living it and feeling it. Um, so I guess my last question for you is how are your girls with that? Yes. That, well, kind of that's public? a great question, especially with uh, teenagers, because when I started doing this, my oldest daughter was in sixth grade. And so, like I said, I was writing books for the teenage girls then, and then have slowly shifted to moms. But I have to say, that's, an, that's another one of my big messages too, is that I've got to be very cognizant of their privacy and just respectful of their privacy. You know, they're, they're not ones that go, like to go share their lives online, you know, so I have to be very careful. A lot of times I have to ask their permission for a picture or to share a story. And a lot of times with the things that I do, I try to share more about my experiences and what I'm learning as a mom or what I've done wrong and how it's helped my relationship. Um, it helps that I have four daughters. Sometimes I can share a story about a daughter and you don't know exactly which one it was. And so that helps too. Um, but you know, I do think that as parents, we have to be so aware of their privacy and be careful respecting their privacy and just being okay with that. You know, sometimes they get involved, they've been invited onto podcasts and asked to do different things and I would love for them to do it, but none of them are in that place yet. And so I'm not going to force it. And, um, you know, and I try to, not share anything about them that they would one day Google their name and be like, Oh my word, I can't believe my mom put that out there. Mm -hmm. um, 
So like I said, they're, they're okay with it as long as I try to, you know, respect their privacy and know what's my story to share and what's their story to share. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've just learned that early on as a blogger, you know, because you see a lot of things being shared out there that we're like, oh, that, you know, or you might have a story that you're like, I know this could probably go viral. I know this could help a lot of moms, but that's not my story to share. And mm-hmm. I, I would never want to jeopardize my relationship with my child to, you know, sell books or get more likes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it's a tricky balance, you know, mm-hmm. especially with teenagers, you're not ever sure what will, what will upset them. Right. And what but they're uh, okay yeah. with now, but won't be, right. you know, yes. months. yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for giving us time today and sharing with us. I just love this conversation. I loved your book and we'll be putting it in the notes so that everyone can, can, can check it out. Good luck. I know it launches next month, right? Yes, in August. In a few yeah. short weeks. So thanks so much, Carrie, for, for doing this with us today. Well, I loved it. Thanks for having me, Beth. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you're curious about something you heard, check the show notes for links to learn more. And perhaps you'd like to check out one of the Fierce and Lovely mini courses for a deep dive into a particular parenting topic. That link is in the notes too. Fierce and Lovely is a proud partner of the Restore Universe, where like-minded practitioners and programs are all infused with the Restory approach. Curious? Check us out at RestoryUniverse.com.